Entrepreneurs Start Here helps you bridge the gap between now and what is next. We embrace taking action and leaning into your community to grow. Explore the ins and outs of being an entrepreneur and what it takes to truly start through candid interviews with innovators like you. This is the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Start Here podcast. This episode is a little bit different. We actually have a recording for you to listen to from one of our conferences back in the spring. We have Rich Divini, and he came in and talked to us about grit and leadership and how he got through boot camp to become a Navy SEAL. Uh, he is a great speaker, an excellent author. Uh, his book, The Attributes, has been a big hit. Uh, we're really lucky to have him on the conference. Um, I just mean he's talking about the, the hidden drivers of performance, what makes a good leader, what makes you gritty, determined, and able to push through the hardest parts of, I mean, he was talking about being a uh, Navy SEAL and drawing the uh, parallel to entrepreneurship. I thought maybe being a Navy SEAL would be a little bit tougher than what I've experienced as an entrepreneur. But nonetheless, some extremely valuable insights from a really, really impressive guy. I hope you guys enjoy the show. We've got uh, Rich Devinny with us here today. Uh, for the next bit, Rich, I saw you jump in. Uh, thanks for being here. It's cool to uh, cool to be able to to sit down and 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 have you. And uh, I'll introduce you. But at, you know, as we get started, at, you know, and jump into it, uh, I couldn't think of a better type of person or conversation to be having as we kind of head into the, the battle of our, our operations season. Um, you know, half of our organization's been through the first half of boot camp, their week one, uh, and then the other half is actually just starting. So for, uh, for those, just as we kind of introduce Rich here, has written a book called The Attributes, 25 Hidden Attributes of Optimal Performance, comes from spending 20 plus years in the military as a Navy SEAL, uh, and I'm sure a lot of other experiences along the way. And Rich, welcome. And, and as we uh, jump in, I'd love to hear a little bit just about your story from you know, why you decided to, to giving, uh, being, becoming a SEAL a go and your experience in, in boot camp and buzz, buds and just some of the highlights of your career that led up to, uh, to writing the book and, and where we're at today. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, thanks for having me. And hey, everybody, it's great to be here. It's an honor. Um, and it's, I, I've been looking forward to talking to you all. So, uh, so yeah, what what caused me to to be a seal? Well, I I guess it's feeling the friction, right? <laughs> I grew up. Um, I realized kind of at an early age that uh, that I liked trying to surround myself with people who I felt were uh, better than me, and that wasn't necessarily a uh, uh, you know self deprecation thing. It was more I knew that, and I kind of realized if I if I hung around with people like that, I would I would kind of automatically begin to uh, get up to their levels at certain things. So it caused me to, to kind of play some sports I was uncomfortable with. And, um, and then, uh, and then when I learned about the Navy SEALs, I said, Hey, we, I want to try that. And so I, I graduated, man, graduated high school back in 91 and then went to college and, uh, and graduated college in 96 and went to, you know, it was ROTC. I went to SEAL training and got through and, uh, and then, of course, was part of the SEAL teams in a very kinetic time frame with 9/11 happening and and all of the all of the stuff overseas. Um, you know, went to Iraq many times, Afghanistan many times, and um, and eventually also got to run SEAL training, a, a, actually a specialized SEAL training for one of our special specialized SEAL commands, and learned quite a bit and was able to dive into uh, performance and really why and how people can do what they do, what it is about kind of that friction when we're going through tough times, you know, what, what causes that, what, what are those elemental qualities, which really spawned the, the idea for the book, the attributes. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with our elemental human performance. And by that, I mean, what are those qualities that show up, especially in times of challenge, stress, and uncertainty, who's the real us, right? Cause we always hear this, 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 is saying that, hey, the real us shows up when, when things are, are bad, right? Well, who is that real us? What are those things? And, and you could start with those attributes, those, those innate qualities that drive our performance and show us um, how we're going to show up and why certain things are a little bit tougher and might, certain things might be a little bit easier. So, um, so here I am. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm, I'm, I'm excited for our talk. 
Well, one of the things that you'd said that was, um, you know, kind of cool when, when you and I first spoke was about some of the similarities, honestly, I think that between boot camp and what some college pro people are going through here is a 19 to 21 year old versus you're like, Hey, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's all relative. Like it may not sound similar from the outside looking in, but you know, a 19 to 21 year old trying to see what they, if they have what it takes, like you kind of said for you, um, you know, part of trying to become a seal was like to see if you could be a badass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, th I think that, you know, that's a, a piece of a lot of people in entrepreneurship right now is sexy. And we did just go through a world health pandemic and can I make my own luck and can I do those things? And then you go through this boot camp situation that, that doesn't really pull on skill. It pulls on some, what you just described as those elemental qualities uh, that kind of make up who you are. So how did that look for when you went through boot camp in, in terms of being a SEAL? And how do you see some of those things maybe translating into a business world as somebody, you know, enters maybe an entrepreneurial environment that they've never experienced before? Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my boot camp was SEAL training. I, you know, I, that was, that was the first experience I had <laughs> with the military. I showed up and, and there I was, uh, and I was 22 years old. Right. So so I was uh, uh, close to, or many of your age going through it. A um, couple things to note here. Uh, first of all, when we talk about, when we talk about stress and challenge and uncertainty and fear and that response in our body, right? Um, all of the things that you are, uh, either have experienced or going to experience in terms of that challenge and stress physiologically, um, increased uh, heart rate, dilation of pupils, feeling nervous, feeling like you're you're, you're just, you may not be there all the time. It's just tough. Okay. Um, there is no difference physiologically, um, from a guy like me in the combat in combat, uh, versus you in what you're going to go through. There's no difference. Certainly the context might be different and the outside environment might be different. Uh, but, uh, but the, the human physiological response is the same, right. Um, which, which is good news because it means we can use some of the same techniques to get through it. Uh, and, and there's, and there, and there's kind of there's some simple things we can do. Um, in terms of the um, the boot camp experience, we'll, and we can we'll talk about that first piece a little bit later. But in terms of the boot camp experience, what I want to let you all know is that um, you know SEAL training is incredibly difficult. You may have heard some stories. I'm sure you. <laughs> there's a lot of TV and movies out there, which is bizarre for me because when I joined the Navy SEALs, very few people knew what we were or who we were, and then suddenly we became all famous. Um, but there's, uh, there's the, the, you know, I kind of thought about SEAL training and I thought about what they make you do in SEAL training. So in SEAL training, for example, they make you spend hundreds of hours um, running around with big, heavy boats in your head. And they, they, you, you spend hundreds of hours exercising with three, uh, 200 pound, 300 pound telephone poles <clears throat> and running around with those on your shoulder and freezing in the surf zone. And, um, and when I thought back to my career, I mean, I, I did hundreds of combat missions overseas and I did thousands of training evolutions. And never on one of them did I carry a boat on my head or a telephone pole on my shoulder. All right. So what does that tell us? That tells us that what they were doing to us in SEAL training was not in fact training us in the skills to be Navy SEALs. All right. They were, they were teasing out these innate qualities, these attributes. All right. They were seeing if we had what it took to be Navy SEALs, not if we could do the job or if we knew how to do the job, if we, it, it, but in fact, if we could do the job. All right. So the reason why I tell you that is because I want you to understand that context as you move into your own boot camp. Okay, um, the boot camp you're going to experience or are experiencing is going to require you to do things and feel things that may not make sense in the moment, um, and may in fact be stuff that you never actually experience again. <laughs> all right, in terms of the difficulty. Okay, um, I think by design, this couple of weeks is going to be uh, is by design going to throw you into environments of more extreme discomfort. Uh, so that you actually learn things about yourself. And when you get into the real job, you have this true confidence. What is true confidence? True confidence is the knowledge that whatever the environment does around me, I will perform. It may not be pretty, okay? Because sometimes the missions aren't pretty. Sometimes it's like, okay, that didn't look very good, but we at least got it done, all right? But you're going to come out with some, some confidence in yourself and the qualities inside yourself so that you can actually do the job, all right? So when you enter into this experience, I want you to think of two factors. Certainly there's gonna be some skills that you're gonna be learning in terms of how to do the job you know, later on, okay? That's, that's, that's implied. 
But a lot of it's going to be an exercise of these attributes, these innate qualities to, to tease out and develop these things that you're going to need um, when you're doing the job, things like perseverance, adaptability, resilience, okay? Um, and, and Aaron and I can kind of talk about some of those specific ones. Uh, certainly the grit ones are going to come into play and, and Aaron and I know we're gonna dive into those a little bit, but, but think of these, think of this experience you're about to enter into as very holistic. And as you're going through it, when you feel like, man, this just, I don't know why we're doing this. This doesn't make sense. This is not what we're gonna do you know, in the real world. Why are we doing now? Well, that's the point. Okay. That's like me saying in buds, I'm not going to be carrying a boat on my head. Why am I doing it now? Okay. Um, well, it's because I was teasing out, they were teasing out these attributes. So, so let's, so take it in context of that as you're about to enter. And then Aaron, we can go whatever direction you want in terms of any specific attributes that we think are going to be exercised during these next couple of weeks. Well, I, I think something that you're talking about, just even in the training is I, I, I think we've got boot camp itself. And then honestly, you know, I think college pros is, in a, in a totality of boot camp in itself that, you know, it, it's for a lot of people, they're not, they're not here, I would imagine, because they've got some crazy passion built in them for clean windows, right? Like this is not the, you know, I'm going to go build this thing. It's, I'm going to be the window cleaning empire. There, a lot of people are here to be part of the program for one, two, three, four, however many years along the way, but that they're going to do it to be able to get some of these you know, skills, but not really realizing they're the attributes. So you mentioned something there is not really realizing what you were doing and how does that fit, right? Like knocking on doors right now to get leads, someone might say, well, I'm never going to market like that a decade from now. I don't think in the business that I'll be running. So why do I have to do that now? Or I'm not going to clean windows, but you know, really, I think a lot of times what's that, what that's doing is pulling on some of those attributes of being able to you know, have to go out and make your own luck and the grit ones that you talked about, or, you know, serving a, a customer, learning how to be at, you know, as a young person working almost on a level playing field with a homeowner and, and all of those things, you know, when you, you go kind of one layer deeper, often show up in whatever other businesses that are down the road. So a lot of times things feel like college pro-isms or they're part of this business, but what they're really doing is they're building on some of those other things. And something you'd said there, you didn't really realize in the moment, you're like, hey, I didn't really kind of like thought about it and I didn't think about it like I was just going I was surviving <laughs> surviving buds I was doing what I was told because I wanted to be a, a seal and that's what I had to do to be a seal so when you think about some of the attributes that got teased out how did those show up maybe later on when you were in a you know you weren't carrying boats but you carried something with you from boot camp so how did that kind of show itself later when you were let's say down the road into the actual career that you, you set out to be that had to go through this door of boot camp yeah, yeah. Let's uh, well, let's talk about one of the most important attributes, and it's the the first one in the grit category. And that's courage, okay? Because I think I think it's going to be one that you all draw upon in your experience. Certainly, I had to draw upon in mine, okay? Uh, so, what is courage? Courage is the ability to step into our fear, right? Um, what? Okay, so let's just back up. Then, what the heck is fear? <laughs> right. So, uh, fear just for for all of your Kind of to level the bubble here, fear is the combination of two things. Okay, it's a combination of anxiety plus uncertainty. Okay, those two combos start to create fear. You can have one without the other, and you don't necessarily have fear show up. Right? You can be anxious but not uncertain. Right? That might be the presentation you're going to give next week at school. Um, that you know the presentation, you pretty, you got it solid. You know, you know the people in the class, whatever. You're you're a little bit anxious, but everything about that evolution is going to be certain. Okay, not necessarily fear. All right. You can be uncertain without being anxious. Okay, well, that's every kid on Christmas Eve. All right, so there's no fear there. All right, as soon as you combine the two, you start to generate fear. Fear is the amygdala kind of starting to get kicked into your, in your brain and you're starting to feel like, you know, oh, you know what, <laughs> what's going on here? All right, that's the combination of anxiety and uncertainty. Um, you are going to fear, you're going to feel that this couple of weeks, you're going to feel that in any entrepreneur activity because entrepreneurship, just like seal life is highly uncertain. You are, it's designed to be that way. You're going into an uncertain, um, uncertain environment and you're going to have to perform. All right. So a um, couple things though, about fear, um, fear, uh, when you, when you, when that amygdala kicks in and you're starting to feel afraid, um, our brains are going to give us two choices. All right. You've heard of these two choices. They are fight or flight. All right. You may have heard of a third choice, which is called freeze. All right. Freeze neurologically, in fact, is just an oscillation between the two. 
uh, fight and flight. Fight and flight, those two choices are two separate circuits in the brain. All right. So in other words, when you, whichever one you choose, it's firing off a different circuit. Okay. When we choose to fight, all right, that means step into our fear, a circuit switch, a circuit uh, flips in the brain. All right. And that's the card circuit. Okay. And that card circuit flips. And when it does, we're given a dopamine reward. What does that mean? Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes us feel good. It basically tells us this is good. This feels good to keep doing this. Okay, so when we step into our fear, we get a dopamine reward. Why is that? Because evolutionarily, as human beings, we needed nature needed a way to to encourage us to explore, to discover, to to seek our edges. All right, so we needed it needed to create a reward system inside of our brains and neurology, so that when we did it, we were rewarded. This doesn't mean you're reaching your goal. Okay, you'll get some dopamine when you reach your goal too. But every step you take into fear, you get this dopamine reward. All right. Um, so a couple things to notice there. All right. First of all, um, we are encouraged to step into that, which we are afraid to do. Okay. Whether it be knock on a door to get a sale or whether it be me kind of going through seal training. Okay. We're encouraged to do that. The second thing is courage cannot exist in the absence of fear. All right. So if you don't feel that fear, you're not going to get that dopamine reward, you know, when you step into it. All right. So what I want all of you to think through is that you are going to feel anxious and uncertain as you go through this experience. And it's just going to be training for when you feel anxious, uncertain when you're starting another business later on. Okay. Cause there's uncertainty and anxiety in that too, but just know we're designed to actually be encouraged to do that. Now that all said, fear is also very valuable uh, to allow us to appropriately assess risk. Okay. Because sometimes flee is the right decision. Okay. It's never a good idea to fight a bear. All right. So sometimes it's, 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 it's a good decision to flee. It's a survival technique. However, I would, I would offer that most things we do today in our lives and in, in modern day society, certainly in the entrepreneurial field, um, we should probably think about whether or not we actually need to flee. All right. We can probably, we can probably step into it. So, so as you go through this, as you start to do things that you feel uncomfortable doing, recognize that reward system, recognize how good it feels when you accomplish those steps. Okay. Because this is something you'll remember when you get out into the world and you start your, start another business or another business. Okay. This is something I began to remember as I was out in the seal business. Okay. I don't like heights. Just, let's just, I'll just lay that on the table for you. All right. So jumping out of airplanes was always tough for me. And I had to do it thousands of times. Okay. Every time I stepped into that activity, I had to step into my fear and do it. And I got used to that reward system. Okay. So, so that's one good example of some things you're going to feel here that you can basically extract and take not only into your entrepreneur life, but in all of life. Okay. Uh, just know we are as human beings designed to do that. The courage piece that, I mean, it, it makes sense too when you're talking about how that gets pulled out, right? It's going to be the same. The next time you do it, it might show up in a slightly different form, but you've got some experience there. I think we talk a lot about grit. I mean, it's just a, it's become a bit of a popular word and one that's becoming a bit synonymous with somebody who's become a successful entrepreneur. So when you think about grit, there's short-term, there's long-term, there's a lot of different things that you need to do. And you talked about some of the, grit is often seen as the attribute Meanwhile, you've broken that down into some others, courage, adaptability, perseverance, resilience, other, other ingredients that really do make up grit. So when you yeah. talk about courage, then you'll step into your fear. We talk a bit about some of the other ones in terms of adaptability and perseverance and resilience and how those fit in to getting through maybe a, a short-term blip, if you will. Hey, this is a hard day or, you know, I got to kind of push through this day, but an overall experience as well, because I'm sure there's an element of that. You know, if you're going through the seal, it doesn't, you don't get through the first bit and you're gritty, grit. No, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's, it's so, a combination. Of yeah, it's a combination of things. It's like the, it's like a loaf of bread that comes out of the oven. Okay. Catalyzed and baked of these, these four attributes. All right. So the next one is uh, perseverance and perseverance is, um, you know, basically um, stepping through challenge and stress. Okay. Perseverance can be broken down into three things. All right. Uh, the three things are persistence tenacity and fortitude. All right. So people often think of persistence and tenacity as the same thing. They're not. Okay. Persistence is I'm going to, um, when I'm entering into solving a problem or doing a challenge, I'm going to try something and I'm going to try the same thing over and over again until it works. Okay. This is called, the, it could be called the stone cutter approach. All right. The stone cutter who's tapping the rock 
in the same place a hundred times and you see nothing, nothing's happening. And then on the 101st blow, the rock cracks, okay? So the stone cutter needs persistence, it requires persistence. Sometimes problems require persistence, all right? But there's also tenacity. So as I say, persistence requires patience, okay? There's also tenacity, okay? Tenacity is the opposite. Tenacity is when I'm uh, going to solve a problem or challenge, I try something um, and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna try something different. And if that doesn't work, I'm gonna try something different. Okay, this is the mechanic, the, the auto mechanic, okay? Who has to diagnose what's wrong with the car, uh, checks the belts, the belts are, belts are okay, then moves on to the carburetor and checks the thing, checks another thing and checks another thing until he or she finds the problem, okay? If the car mechanic were persistent, then the car mechanic would check the belts and then check the belts again and then check the belts again. And then all you'd show up, all you'd uh, get in return is a large uh, bill <laughs> and nothing solved, okay? Um, if the stone cutter were tenacious, the stone cutter would never never crack that rock, okay? So for all of us other people who are in the entrepreneur space in the, in the space of uncertainty, we need both. We need balance of both patience and impatience of both tenacity and, and persistence. And it all has to be kind of buttressed by this idea of fortitude, this mental strength to understand that we know we can do, we can push through, we can be persistent when we need to, we can be tenacious when we need to, and we can modulate those two, all right? So that's perseverance holistically, all right? Then we get into adaptability, all right? Adaptability is the ability to kind of roll with it when the environment changes outside of our control, all right? Um, I got news for you, and it's something you already know. Uh, nothing in this known universe doesn't change over time, okay? There's nothing that we know of that doesn't change over time. Everything changes. So, um, so in order to survive and actually evolve, we must be adaptable, all right? This is certainly going to be the case in the entrepreneurial space, all right? Because um, no plan, you know, we always just say no plan survives first contact with the enemy, okay? Um, and Mike Tyson used to say, no, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? <laughs> okay, um, you are going to, as an entrepreneur, get punched in the face. <laughs> it's, it's just inevitable, all right? Things are going to happen. You're going to have to adapt. Um, you can either go extinct like the dinosaur or like I talk about in the book, be like the frog. The frog, by the way, has, a, has survived five extinction level events five of them, okay? Why? Because they're inherently adaptable. They change their body temperature, they live in the water when they need to, they live on land, okay? They have survived because they've been adaptable, whereas the dinosaurs went extinct. So if we wanna be frogs, um, in fact, we have to be frogs to be entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs, we have to be adaptable, all right? And then the final one is resiliency. You know, resiliency in short is the ability to get knocked down, okay? Knocked off your baseline and then get back to baseline in the fastest, most efficient way possible, all right? Um, this takes a deliberacy sometimes to be able to understand that, hey, I need to, I can't get knocked down and stay down. Or even when I get knocked down, I can't get knocked down and not get back at least to where I was, all right? Because if you don't get back to baseline, all right, if you get knocked down and you get back to here, okay, the next time you get knocked, you're starting at a, at a deficit, which so you're going to get knocked even further, all right, and further and further, all right? So if you're not resilient, what you do is you fall into entropy. All right, so you want to always work on trying to get back to baseline at a minimum. Um, often the best case is if you can get, when you get, when you come back, you actually grown a little bit. You've grown from the stress challenge uncertainty, which I would call anti-fragility. All right, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a more proactive take on the resiliency. Okay, this is actually what you will be as successful entrepreneurs. You will be anti-fragile, which means when something happens bad, you will find a way to recover and grow from it. Okay, and that's really the, 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 the key. Uh, however, I would say in boot camp, just work on resiliency. That's all you need for now. Just practice getting back to baseline. All right. So all four of those are grit attributes, and they're going to lend themselves well to you, uh, both in boot camp and in the overall, you know, entrepreneurial experience. One of the things you talked about uh, that I've heard and seen from you in the past is that the idea of resilience, and I think that's a, a very the all of them, but resilience in itself. One of the things that I thought was a good or an interesting switch to it is getting back to baseline, but not just when you get knocked down, but when things go well. And I think that's an interesting element too, as somebody's going through uh, some of these things for the first time, whether it's being an entrepreneur for the first time, you have an amazing day and all of a sudden they, they're not on baseline anymore and start to fall behind and, and almost make themselves in, in, a, in a vulnerable position. Things have gone so well, whether it's in a battle or whether it's something you know, something else that you, you, you almost get distracted by the highs versus you know sometimes the, that fight response you talked about when you get knocked off, you know you got knocked down and you got to fight your way back versus 
um, you know, something else. So talk, you talk a little bit about that. I know in the business world, a lot of companies, let's say when we hit COVID, were in that position maybe where they, they, they never came back to baseline and they were living somewhere beyond it and having that ability to come back to baseline is a big piece, whether you're getting knocked down or on the other side of it. I think a lot of people miss the other side of it too. Yeah, I think I think ultimately, uh, what the way we could say to define that would be that success sometimes breeds complacency. I mean, we used to have a. I mean, I, I tell you what, if I was on a mission, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere, and things were going really well, I would immediately start to get nervous <laughs> because I'd be like, okay, why is this going so well? All right, what's what what are we missing here? All right, so so the idea is not necessarily to be. Um, you know, kind of a downer. The idea is to kind of understand resiliency from both aspects. If you get knocked down, then work your way as, as fast as fast and as efficiently as possible back to baseline. If you have a great experience, okay, um, understand it, recognize it, celebrate it maybe for a minute or two, um, and then get back to baseline. All right, don't get complacent. Start to say to yourself, okay, got it. I love it. Great. That was cool. All right. Now I have to understand that, that, you know, I, I got to get back to work and I might get, you know, I might get knocked off, you know, baseline tomorrow. All right. So, and I, <clears throat> I kind of give, uh, I give a, a tip that one of my favorite CEOs talked, uh, told us about when I was in the teams called the two minute rule. All right. The two minute rule was something his grandfather taught him and it's kind of a way to practice resiliency. And, and what he would say is hey, if anything bad happens, all right. Um, whatever that is. Okay. Take two minutes and, kick the dirt, feel sorry for yourself, do whatever you need to do. Okay. And after 120 seconds, get back to, get back to work, get back to baseline. All right. Same thing. If anything really good happens, take two minutes, um, pat yourself on the back, rest on your laurels, do whatever you need to do to celebrate, and then immediately get back to baseline. All right. This is now, obviously there's, there's certainly trauma that is going to take a lot more than two minutes to get over. Okay. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about something. There's a really cool, great things that happen that you want to celebrate for a little bit longer than two minutes. Okay. But what I'm talking about in terms of practicing resilience to use the little tragedies in life, the little tragedies you might experience th th this next couple of weeks and use this technique to try to practice your resiliency, kind of work your resiliency muscle. All right. So that when the bigger stuff happens, resiliency is a little bit easier. Okay. It's going to take longer than two minutes, admittedly, but it'll be a little bit easier because you've worked that muscle. So I think that's a good way to think of resilience holistically. And again, when you're talking about grit, which I would define as kind of the ability to push through some of these shorter term challenges, all right, it's going to take effort. It's going to take, um, uh, uh, take, take some stuff, right? There's going to be some, some damage, some, some, um, some fatigue that is a result of you pushing through resiliency is, is necessary on that back end to kind of get back to baseline and have to do it again if you need to. I think um, little tricks like that go a long way, especially when things aren't going well, you know, going well. I think that's something when I think about, you know, at the start of my entrepreneurial journey, but also like quite literally the last 12 months, it feels like there's like this next wave coming and then there's the next wave that's coming. And then you get this next, maybe the wave, maybe the wave isn't even, the, maybe it's a, a trigger word. I shouldn't use that, <laughs> use that word right now, but you know, these, it just keeps coming and coming and it's the next thing and it's the next thing. And then there's, it's just that, that constant essential battle that, that you're in. And, you know, I think it's, it's, that's one of the, the grit, uh, the grit attributes that can help somebody really navigate that. But you talked about something else there was like the, the idea of true confidence. I think for me, um, that's been something that's been, I, I feel like that I've been able to lean on because I've done it. I've been through 15 cycles. All 15 have been different. Um, there's no one that's been the same. <laughs> and, and I'm looking forward to one that might be different than the one that we're in right now. But the idea of, of being able to have the true confidence because you've been through something a bunch and you've seen it a number of times and you, you don't know exactly what's coming, but you feel the ability to, that you can handle that. And I think that's an interesting concept. And I, I can only imagine what that's like from a military perspective, going into a mission, you don't mm -hmm. really know what's happening. Um, and it, but it's all relative, right? Like it a is. lot of people are heading into a business right now that I don't, I mean, I can't tell you what's going to happen in a month for sure. I can tell you what I think is probably going to happen and we can navigate, but there is that level of uncertainty that happens with that. So when you think about some of the, the true confidence and just being able to handle and deal with uncertainty, what are some of the other attributes or things that people can pull on? Or even you talked about some simple things to be able to get through stuff when we're living in such an uncertain world, when you, you're in an uncertain environment, but you also may not have a whole tool belt of experience and repetitions to rely on. I imagine it was an uncertain environment and it was your 917th mission. 
uh, felt a little different than it when it was your ninth mission <laughs> to, yeah. to, to head out and do that. So what are some of the other attributes or things that people can do when we're in a situation like that to be able to navigate it successfully and almost thrive in that type of an environment opposed to uh, opposed to not be able to see the end of end of the things that are coming at them? Yeah, um, that's a great one. I'm going to get into the mental acuity attributes, but let me just go back on one thing real quick because you use the word wave, and um, and I know you you may or may not people may or may not think that's the, that's the <laughs> best word. However, I think it's a great word, and here's why. Um, and as someone who's a seal who comes from the ocean, right? Um, when you look at the ocean, when do the waves stop in the ocean? Never. That's Never. the answer. Never. Never. Okay. The waves are always coming. Okay. Such is life. All right. Life waves will always come. Okay. Some are going to hurt and are going to crush you and some you'll be able to surf. All right. But the waves are always coming. So I think, I think if we think of ourselves as people who are going through life experience and the waves are inevitable. So, so what is the, what is the most certain thing about the future is that it is uncertain. <laughs> okay. It is, but it is that waves will come highs and lows will happen. Um, some will be really bad ones that we, that we have to kind of, you know, hold our breath and get churned a little bit before we pop up and others will be able to surf, you know, and have a wonderful flow like experience. Okay. Anybody who surfs can, can relate to this. So, so that's one thing to understand is that we're just in, that's just life. Life is waves. All right. So, so just know that you just have to navigate it. All right. Um, the, uh, the mental acuity attributes in terms of getting through this, you know, we can focus on the mental acuity attributes a little bit. The attributes of mental acuity really speak to how we process information, how our brain processes information in the world. Okay. Situation awareness, which is the first one is, is the ability for us is well as the way information comes into our system and the ability for us to kind of take in that information. All right. There's 11 million bits of, of information coming into our systems every second. Okay. Every second through all five senses. Our frontal lobe can only process about 2,500 of those bits, all right, which means our brains and, and nervous systems are doing a massive amount of deselection constantly, all right. Um, those people who are a little bit higher on the situation or in a scale can process a little bit more, can notice more things, okay, than someone who's a little bit lower, all right. You can cut, you can kind of use the word vigilance to describe this. All right. I have always been somewhat vigilant as a human being. All right. Obviously my career made me even more vigilant. So I'm the guy who walks around city streets and I'm noticing things. Okay. I notice people's hands. I notice dark alleys. I notice vehicles. I notice things out of place. Okay. I just, I just the way I am. All right. Some people just don't notice that stuff. All right. And there's no, there's no judgment either way. <clears throat> However, as you're going through an experience, any experience to include boot camp, you're going to be noticing things, all right? And that takes us to the second uh, mental acuity attribute, which is compartmentalization. Compartmentalization is basically the act of, as that information is coming in, how are we assessing the relevance of it? Okay, so what is, what is relevant to me in this moment? How do I prioritize those things once I make that list? And then what? And then focusing on that priority, all right? That's compartmentalization. That technique is gonna be very, very valuable for any of you when things start to get really tough, okay? Because when things start to get really tough, what you're gonna to need to do is you need to say, okay, what about this environment do I understand, okay? And then in that list, what can I control, right? The SEALs, the SEALs we call this controlling your three-foot world, all right? What this means is I'm basically taking this environment of uncertainty, challenge, and stress. I'm saying, okay, what can I control in this moment? And I'm gonna focus and move to that, all right? An example might be me in SEAL training, you know, running with a, a, a stupid boat on my head for hours, right? And it's been, it's been a long time. I don't know when it's going to end. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this, this really sucks, all right? And I said to myself, I can literally remember myself saying this to, to, to myself saying, all right, I'm just going to focus on the end of that sand burn, all right? Because you'd run on the sand all the time and there'd be big, big burns, okay? I basically said to myself, I took control. I said, the only thing I can control right now is I'm going to run to that end of that sand burn. And so I did, all right? Whenever you do that, whenever you take control of something and then move towards it, you create for yourself a natural dopamine reward, again, because you're accomplishing something, right? So if you move to that thing, you're, you're creating a dopamine re reward in your system. That dopamine reward allows you to do that process over again, right? So you get that reward, you say, okay, now what can I control? Okay, I'm going to move to that. Now, understand that modulation is entirely subjective and up to you, okay? It could be, like, there are days where I'm like, hey, I'm just going to focus on taking the next step, or I'm just going to count to 10. Right? That's my that's my horizon that I'm moving to. Sometimes it's like, hey, I'm just going to make it to the next meal. All right, you hear about um, 
folks who go through cancer, you know, uh, treatment and they'll, and a lot of them who I've talked to will say, yeah, <clears throat> during the chemotherapy, I was just going minute by minute. I was like, I'm just going to get through this next minute. Right. Some of my friends who were injured during the war and they had to go through some, they were, you know, they lost limbs or something. They had to go some pretty bad, um, therapy. They would say, rich, I was just, I was living five minute bursts. That's what I was doing. I was just going five minute to five minute. Right. So when you're the way we can all kind of metabolize this in our own lives, as we could say, when you're in moments where it's just highly uncertain, it's challenging, everything seems really bleak and dark and you can't project very far, all right? Ask yourself in that moment, okay, what can I control right now? What's my three foot world? And move to that, all right? And once you move to that, feel that reward, okay? And then ask yourself again, and then move to the next thing and move to the next thing and move to the next thing. And before you know it, you, have, you will have stepped through that uncertain, that, that challenge, okay? And you'll be through and you're like, holy shit, I'm through, okay? And you'll look back and be like, okay, I did it, all right? And then you have to recover and you have to kind of analyze that in a healthy way, all right? But, but that's some techniques that we learned kind of, I guess, intuitively on the beaches of SEAL training, certainly translated into SEAL life, you know, missions and otherwise, um, but can be translated into regular life and certainly entrepreneurial life, right? So, so think about those mental acuity attributes. And the last one that I didn't hit was, well, there's two, there's task switching, which is your ability to kind of shift focus efficiently and effectively because multitasking is a myth, okay? Our brains actually, in fact, move from one task to another. We can't do two things at once, all right? And if you don't believe me, by the way, you say, oh, I can drive my car and listen to the radio. You're right, but it doesn't count when you've relegated that task to the unconscious, okay? If you can do something that you can, you're not thinking about, that's why you can do that. And I, oh, by the way, I would offer, if you're listening to a podcast and driving your car, um, if someone swerves in front of you or after you have to suddenly pay attention, I guarantee you'll have to rewind the last 15 seconds of your podcast, right? Because your brain just switched, right? So that's task switching. And then learnability, which is your ability to process and absorb and, and learn those lessons, okay? Some of us are higher and lower on all of these things. I admittedly, I'm a little bit lower on learnability. What does that mean? It means when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm learning something, I typically have to do it a few times. I have to repeat it. Whereas we know some people, and some of you might be this person who you hear something once and you got it, okay? You're high on learnability, congratulations. You're not me, <laughs> you know? So, I, so if you're lower on learnability, you might have to repeat a couple. You might make the same mistake a couple of times. Don't get frustrated, just know it about yourself. So those are some ways you can kind of step through that stuff. I think it makes a ton of sense being able to push through and, and we call that in, in college pro, it's the idea of proximal goal setting. It's the, you know, it's the next proximity. Where are you going next? Not trying to do your entire year at one point, but breaking it down into basically, you know, a, a quarterly goal, we'll call it for the sake of the conversation and, and then into weeklies and then focusing those into dailies. And can you hit the daily, which aligns to the weekly, which aligns to the proximal, which aligns, but focusing on those smaller bits. And, and just back to you're talking about waves, I think that's a really interesting view. Like when do, when do the waves stop? It's just a matter of how big they are at that point. How big is the storm and the size of the storm, you know, and from my experience often usually comes from the side of what you're trying to accomplish. The more you're trying to do, the bigger the waves are going to be. The, whatever, you're, you know, you're, you're in that situation. I think that's a really cool option and just in way to think of it. And one of the things I know a lot of people are experiencing right now um, whether it's boot camp or something, you know, whether it's just in their entrepreneurial journey, is this this shift to having some autonomy in decision making, and whether they realize it or not, right now, it's it, it, we talked about it's, it's you know it's a privilege and a responsibility. It's one of the I think one of the the unspoken um, uh, I guess I'll say skills, but you know you call them attribute of a successful entrepreneur is being able to have discipline. And I've heard you talk about discipline from the idea of internal and external. And I think when we look at that, when somebody doesn't, have, it's the first time that someone may not have ever had a boss, right? You know, when you go to that, when you go from like high school, typically into a, a college university situation and someone doesn't ask you if you're in class, there's, there's some, some recalibration that often needs to happen as somebody moves into that. And that's what I think bootcamp tries to do is, is help with that transition through some highly structured calls. And that's why we have these multiple calls a day and, and try and help with some of the decision-making, but that decision-making often takes discipline because there's a difference between what you may want to do and what you need to do <laughs> and yeah. being able to, to make that right decision. It, it often takes discipline. So I'd love to hear just a little bit of, of your thoughts on, on discipline and, and where that comes from and how somebody can exercise discipline and make some good decisions, especially when it's the first time someone may be experiencing that kind of uh, environment that they've never, they've never been a part of before. Yeah, absolutely. And so discipline falls into the drive category. So, you know, and the drive category is really great. So if we talk about grit being a category that speaks to the short-term challenge, right? Pushing through the short-term challenge. Uh, drive, the drive category speaks to the attributes that, that, that speak to 
um, you know, uh, setting and achieving long-term goals. Okay, that's the, these are the drive attributes. One of that, one of those attributes is discipline. And it's funny because when I was writing about discipline, I really had to do some self uh, searching because there's discipline and then there's self-discipline, and people may not think there's a difference. But as I, as I kind of thought about it, I realized there was a difference. And the reason I feel I realized there was a difference is because I said to myself, well, I am pretty good at um, being disciplined when it comes to like long-term goals, like being a Navy SEAL, becoming a Navy SEAL or writing a book, okay? I have horrible self-discipline, okay? I'm just bad at it, okay? Um, so what is the difference? The difference is that self-discipline are, you know, speaks to those, those goals that we set and achieve that the external world has no say in, okay? So this could be like, you know, eating right and getting in shape, right? Um, any one of us could decide to do that, all right, like today. And then, um, and then embark upon that journey and the external world has no say in whether or not you do that. In other words, we could all decide to do that. We could go to the Vegas buffet. The, the buffet is not gonna throw the pastries at us, right? It's not gonna make us eat poorly. It's gonna be up to us whether or not we eat the right thing at the buffet, okay? Or work out, right? So self-discipline speaks to those goals, those objectives that we have that the external world has no say in, right? Discipline, kind of the way I write about it in the attributes uh, is, uh, speaks to those goals that we make that are long-term that the external world does have a say in, okay? This is becoming a Navy SEAL. This is starting a business. The external world has a say in whether or not you achieve that, all right? Which means um, you're going to have to navigate the external world to be able to achieve that goal. It's going to take adaptability and flexibility to do that, all right? One of the, one of the, um, uh, I guess, uh, challenges that someone who's highly self-disciplined sometimes may in, uh, encounter is the fact that, that high self-discipline oftentimes implies uh, structure and routine, all right? Uh, we, we all might know people like this who are extraordinarily self-disciplined, okay? They eat the right thing, they work out every day, they, everything's like structured, okay? Um, sometimes those people though, when their schedule gets gets thrown off whack, they, they get all flustered, right? Because <laughs> they're used to that. They're, they're used to this regimentedness of self-discipline, all right? Holistic discipline, when you're achieving, when you're, uh, when you're creating a business, man, I mean, it's, you, you better throw, I mean, the plan you, you think is going to happen is probably not going to happen, okay? Things are going to change, things are going to hit you. The external world has a say in what happens, all right? Um, and so I always say, when it comes to discipline overall, um, you need to be resolute in your outcome, but be flexible in your approach, right? What does that mean? Well, the, the rock climbers can, can, can teach us a lot about this, all right? The rock climber stands at the base of a, of a cliff or a mountain or a, a, a wall, a face, right? And says, okay, the top, that's, that's my outcome. And then maybe even maps out just kind of visually, hey, I think I'm gonna go this way, you know, just, you know, go to that hold or whatever, but then begins to climb. All right, and as they climb is, is looking for the best handholds and footholds, all right? And we'll realize quite quickly that the original plan is not gonna work. They're gonna basically create their plan as they're going. And sometimes they will recognize and realize that the next best handhold or foothold is actually like to the right and down, which means they're gonna be moving away from their goal to find the next best foothold, okay? It is going to sometimes feel like when you're achieving your long-term goal, that you are moving away from it, all right? Because just that's how the world works. But just know that you're actually finding a better handhold and foothold, foothold, uh, foothold so you can find a better path up, all right? Um, it's also gonna be inevitable that when you're uh, uh, looking to achieve your goal, you're gonna lose sight of the, of the objective, okay? In other words, the, I'm, I'm gonna lose sight of the peak of the mountain, all right? It's gonna be, I'm gonna be underneath this thing, I'm gonna be in a valley, I'm gonna be whatever, okay? Don't let that disturb you either, okay? All you're doing is finding a path, all right? You will come out of it, all right. So I think that's what holistic discipline requires, and the the best balance is to have the best the best thing to do is have a balance of both self discipline and discipline, all right. I I think I've tried to achieve that balance, all right. But we all know there are people out there who are extraordinarily self disciplined, all right. They everything about their life is very disciplined, um, but they can't get their goals, you know, even off the ground, okay. And then there are people who are extraordinarily unself disciplined, but they're like they're achieving everything, okay? Uh, a rock star <laughs> might be that category, right? Who knows? Um, best is to try to find that balance in yourself, understand where your competencies and your deficiencies lie, to, to be able to understand about myself that I was, that I'm, it's self-discipline is hard, uh, but overall discipline I'm pretty good at allows me to then modulate, right? And, and work a little harder on the self-discipline part.
So that's, I think that's a good way to kind of think about that whole discipline category. And I think it's a great distinction and just thinking about being resolute in your outcome, but flexible in your approach. I think that that kind of sums up 2020 and 2021 well, and so far and, and a lot of other pieces. And, and you talk about being modular and working through some of that. I, I mean, I think that's uh, for 19, 20, 21, 25 year old young person, it's a constant piece, right? So when I think about like, if you've got some of these attributes and you've got that awareness and you, but you don't have a strong cord for that particular attribute that might be like a, a driver to get to where you want. You've got, you're resolute. I want to get there. I'm flexible, but I just, this thing is just not there. And it's not, it's not like throwing a ball, you know, but it, you can't just, you can't learn, but that the same way, I guess. So if I wanted to, for example, play a high level sport, super high level sport, I had the physical ability, uh, I had the raw talent, but maybe I didn't have one of the attributes, uh, resilience, be able to come back to baseline, right? To, to actually be able to, to, to make it in that world. How can, how can somebody go about working on that? Is that something where it's just destined? Like, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm not going to get there or are there things when you think about it, and maybe it's different for every attribute, but when an attribute is something that's kind of like baked into you as a variable, as an ingredient, how does somebody work on something like that as they go through, as they're learning? I mean, boot camp's going to expose a lot of that. I think mm -hmm. for a lot of people, this first next three weeks for people, it's going to expose a lot, I think yeah. about where you're challenged. So once somebody understands it, now what, <laughs> now yeah. where do they, now where do right, they go right. with it? Yeah, no, it's, it's, so the first, the first thing to notice to, to try to do is understand where you fall on this category on each category attribute. So, so, so everybody, we all have all of the attributes. Okay. The difference in each one of us are the levels to which we have each. Right. So, so if I'm, you know, if I'm highly adaptable, that means when the environment changes around my, uh, around me without my control, I can easily roll with the, roll with the flow or go with the flow. Okay. Someone, I might be a level eight out of 10, right. Someone might be a level three, which means when the environment changes around them, it's difficult for them to go with the flow. If we were to line up all the attributes on a wall, like dimmer switches, um, all of our dimmer switches would be at different levels for each attribute. So our lines are going to be different, all right? There is no judgment in that, okay? It's, it'd be like judging your hair color. It's ridiculous, okay? It's just how we show up. So that's the first thing. Where do I stand? Lift your hood and say, okay, what kind of engine am I, all right? Um, and then say to yourself, okay, in my endeavors, what are those attributes that I'm high on that are really helping me? That's cool, all right? Because those are just gonna be developed and I'm gonna use those, all right? But then what are those attributes I might be a little bit lower on that I need to focus a little bit more, okay? Um, say it's adaptability. Say you're a little bit lower on adaptability. It's tough for you when things change around you outside your control. Um, I, would, I, would, I would kind of say with some certainty that you're going to need to develop that if you're interested in being an entrepreneur, right? The good news is that you can develop an attribute. The bad news is it's not that it's not that easy, right? Um, no one can do it for you. So, uh, so I, I designate the difference between skills and attributes in the book. Attributes and skills get conflated all the time. All right, um, skills are these these tacit things like riding a bike, throwing a ball. Okay, attributes are these these intangibles. Uh, the quick back of the envelope test to to tell whether or not it's an attribute or a skill is to ask yourself. Can I teach it or can it be taught? Okay. If the answer is yes, it's probably a skill. If the answer is no, it's probably an attribute. Um, here's the example. Okay. Aaron could say to Rich, could say to me, Hey, Rich, I want to learn how to shoot a gun and hit a bullseye every time. Okay. Well, I could take Aaron to the range and within about two hours teach him how to do that. Okay. That's a skill. All right. Or Aaron could say, Hey, Rich, I'm <clears throat> I'm pretty impatient. I want to learn, I want to learn how to be more patient. I can't sit and teach Aaron patience. Okay. That's a that's an attribute, right? To learn that, to develop that, you're going to have to take self-motivation, self-direction, and then it takes an ability and a willingness for one to step into environments of discomfort so that they may test and tease out that attribute, all right? So if you are someone who's impatient, for example, and you want to develop your patience, you must go then seek environments inside of which you can test and develop your patience, right? Maybe it's you go to the grocery store and you just you always pick the longest line to stand in, <laughs> or you go drive, you know, uh, during rush hour and just sit in traffic. I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, but you have to choose to develop that. All right. Um, but the good news is whatever attribute you want to develop, you can, here's the other piece of good news. You don't need to develop all of the attributes. Okay. It really is in the context of what your goals are. All right. Um, the stand-up comic, for example, doesn't need a lot of the leadership attributes, right? <laughs> doesn't need a lot of empathy to be a stand-up comic. In fact, too much empathy might be a detriment to the stand-up comic, right? How are you supposed to find funny at a funeral if you're too empathetic, okay? So you have to ask yourself, what are those attributes that uh, are good for my the context of my pathway, right? And if those, uh, and, then, and then develop those because some you might not need to develop, right? 
Um, and I think that's how you do it. So you, you, I think if you do the diligence on yourself, you're going to find just because you've gravitated towards this boot camp thing anyway, that you probably have a predominance of the attributes that you already need. Okay. But there may be a couple that you might need to develop. For me as a SEAL, I realized I had to develop my learnability. I had to develop a little bit of my courage since I didn't like heights. Um, I had to develop uh, my, uh, maybe a little bit of discipline or self-discipline, all right? Um, and I could probably do a little bit more self-discovery to figure out more, all right? But those are the ones I kind of develop. I didn't, there are other ones I maybe didn't have to worry about as much, right? So you have to do the diligence on yourself to begin to understand your engine and then work on those things that you want to work on. Well, I mean, so it sounds like what you're saying is that if somebody's in this experience of running a business and there's things that are, that's causing uh, friction, we used that word earlier, but causing that, that, that pain, if you will, what's probably really happening, you meant seeking out an environment to tease out some of these attributes that you may not necessarily have. That's all it is, is it's an exposure of teasing that out. And the only way to get through it is kind of to go through it, right? Mm -hmm. Like if someone wants to run a business, these things that they're going to experience through boot camp in the summer and things like that are the same things that they'll likely experience, maybe in a different form, uh, but the, the feeling and that attribute that's being teased out is it's a repetition thing. It's putting yourself in that situation multiple right times over. And I think that's a big piece just for everyone listening as you go through. That's why I think about college row as an experience as a whole, almost as boot camp. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing where, hey, like this piece is here. It's an opportunity to continually put yourself in the positions that do stretch those things. And those are that's why it, it might feel that same and that friction kind of over and over. So it's a couple of them we'll open up to just any questions that people have. But one of the things, Tony, I saw your note in the chat was around team and uh, I think about humor and team and being able to be part of this. We've got, it's rare that in somebody's entrepreneurial experience, there's an ability to have literally a hundred plus other people doing the same thing. I assume that's a similar situation when you've got a, a SEAL team. Right. You got, it's, you know, it's not an individual piece. It's a, it's a team. So when somebody's going through a, a battle, if you will, right? Like what's this going to be over the next few months for, for this group, having that team, you talk to a little bit about how you use the team and, and maybe a little bit of humor and just the, the things that the, the team can do to help bring an individual to the finish line. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, teams make it easier. And the reason why teams make it easier is because, because <clears throat> with a team, you can actually, <clears throat> excuse me, you can actually, um, be a little bit more deficient on some of the attributes you might need because you might have a team member who then fills that gap. Okay. So you can, as a, as a team, you can actually uh, mesh attributes like a zipper. Okay. Um, and, and, and lean and support on each other uh, or lean on and then support each other uh, if, as needed in a team. Right. So, so the good news is you can, you can do more things with the team. Um, there are team ability attributes because you, you know, again, dealing with a team is dealing with other human beings and working effectively with other human beings. So the, so the attributes that I talk about in the book that, that speak to um, great teamwork uh, are integrity, conscientiousness, humility, and humor. And those are behaviors that allow us to, uh, to then designate someone a good teammate. You don't get to call yourself a good teammate, okay? It's, you know, someone else does that, right? So, so you behave in a way that allows someone to designate you a good team uh, teammate, right? And th th and those are you behave with integrity, so do the right thing in context of the team, okay? Whatever, however the team defines that right thing, okay? In the book, I talk about the fact that it can be different depending on the team you're on. But what's the do the right thing? Uh, conscientiousness is the ability to be reliable, work hard, show up, okay? Um, if you do that, that's going to designate you. People are going to say, hey, this is someone I can work with, okay? You're building that trust. Um, humility, okay? This is this is easy one, guys, because. You know, nobody likes arrogance on a team. I mean, it's just, it's not a good thing, okay? Humility is, hey, I'm here to learn. I have certain things I'm really good at and I'm here to help with those things, but I also know that mastery is a journey, uh, not a destination. So I'm, I'm always kind of of the learning mind. That's humility. Uh, and then humor. I think humor is probably one of the most important aspects of teamwork because humor gives us so much in terms of uh, physiology, uh, physiology, okay? Here's a story. So when I was in, in SEAL training in Hell Week, well, and even just regular SEAL, you know, the, all of SEAL training, they do what's called surf torture, okay? Surf torture is where they basically have you line up with your, with your classmates and, and link arms. Uh, this is in Southern California, right? And you march out into the surf zone until you're about knee high and then you turn around and you lay back, okay? For those of you who don't know Southern California, the water out there is actually pretty 
cold. Anybody who's from Southern California will agree with me. Um, and it was like in the 50s, I think it was November or something. So when you lay back, the waves crash over you and then they recede and they crash over you and then they recede. It's one of the coldest things you'll ever experience <clears throat> or I experienced certainly. So you have a lot of people quitting during surf torture. Um, the instructors will inevitably at one point, some point as they did with us, roll up on the beach with a van and, and step out and, and the, with a megaphone yell as they did to us, hey, uh, we have hot chocolate and blankets and donuts for anybody who quits right now. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like that survivor eating, eating <laughs> challenge. Right. Um, so I remember the instructor doing this. I was in the surf zone. And I remember when, when the instructor said that the guy next to me, to my right, immediately yelled at the top of his lungs. He said, Hey, do you have any chocolate glazed donuts? Cause if you don't have any chocolate glazed, I'm not quitting. Okay. And when he said <laughs> that I burst out laughing and, and he burst out laughing. And I knew at that point, I was like, okay, we were, we're, we're going to be fine. I felt good, right? Um, I looked to my left and the guy to my left, he was, he didn't even hear the joke. He was lost in his pain. Okay. I mean, he was just lost in it. And I remember saying to myself, um, yeah, I don't think this guy's going to make it, you know? And sure enough, a couple, like a minute later, he quit. So what happened when we laugh, we get, we get uh, inundated with three very powerful chemicals. Okay. Two neurotransmitters and one hormone. All right. First, we get dopamine, which I've just, we've just already talked about, the feel good. Hey, this is good. Keep going. We get a hit of dopamine. Um, we get endorphins, all right? Endorphins are the human body's opiates, okay? The, the, it masks our pain. Anybody who's experienced runner's high or anything like that, uh, this is a, these are the human uh, opiates. The endorphins were designed by nature so that we can be endurance creatures, okay? We had to go for, we got to hunt for food for days and days, but you keep going, right? So, so it's endorphins that do that. Uh, those are two neurotransmitters. And then we get one hormone, which is called oxytocin. Okay. Oxytocin is known as the love hormone. Okay. The bonding chemical. All right. We get oxytocin when we uh, engage in, in physical touch with another human being, you know, handshakes, hugging, things like that. Okay. Uh, acts of kindness or generosity will, will produce oxytocin in both participants, or even if you're witnessing that effect, right? So it's a bonding chemical. When we laugh, we get all three of those bursting through our body. All right. Um, so what happened when I was in the surf zone? Well, I'm sitting there in the surf zone, you know, freezing my butt off, miserable. And my buddy makes the joke and I laugh. Okay. Immediately I get dopamine. Hey, this is good. Keep, keep going. All right. I get endorphins. This doesn't feel that bad. And then I get oxytocin. He and I, you're, we're in this together. Right. Um, that's the power of laughter. Okay. Laughter bond, bonds us and binds us. And it's actually a hack into courage. Okay. Cause what did I talk about the courage circuit doing? The courage circuit gives us dopamine rewards. Well, when we laugh, we get dopamine, okay? This is why if any of you have ever been doing something that you're scared to do and someone's cracked a joke and you've laughed, you've felt better, okay? Because you've just gotten hit with these powerful neurotransmitters and chemicals, all right? So, so humor is the ability to either be the class clown, okay? I always say no high-performing team I've ever experienced doesn't have at least one or two class clowns, all right? The SEALs, we were, it was filled with class clowns. We had a ton of them. All of us were in some ways class clowns, okay? Um, but you don't necessarily have to be the class clown. You just have to be the, you have to be someone who can laugh. Okay. When things are down, who can, who can take the joke. Okay. And, and, and get that reward. All right. So, so teams and teammates can be very, very powerful um, in this vein. And this is something you can do for each other. All right. There's nothing wrong with making a joke uh, to, to get people laughing when things are, things are bleak. And in fact, some of the best times I can remember as a Navy SEAL were the times we were laughing so hard, we were crying and, you know, it was in the most miserable <laughs> circumstances you were imagining. Right? So, so yeah, those are some of the team ability ones. Well, I think it's, that's huge in terms of what we, we call the CP fam, right? It's this odd thing where people are connected right through that, that same experience. It's a shared experience and people understand it. And we have a, whatsapp group where everybody's connected and there's one for support and there's kind of one for bs and i think the bs one is 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 just as valuable and with what, what you're saying and i think that's just to the group that's the there is an element of having fun with what we do and i think it's an important piece not to get lost especially when stuff is getting you know inevitably we're about to go where things are going to go from theory to reality is going to be things that are are challenging so being able to crack a joke and have some fun, I think, with it at the same time as a piece of it. Um, we had a couple of quick questions that came from the group. I'll uh, share them there just quick uh, for you, Rich. And one of them was from Brenner. And I think, uh, so Brenner, you asked a question. I think a lot of people will feel six weeks from now, maybe not in this moment. But, you know, suggestions, Rich, when, you have, when you're dealing with being overwhelmed uh, and the mm -hmm. idea of not burning out, 
you know, you've been yeah. dealing with what we talked about those waves, right? They're not stopping. They're not coming. You know, they're not stopping. They're going to keep coming just a matter of how big they are. And if you're going to go on top of them or get swallowed up by one, um, how do you keep going? What, what, what are some of the things that, you know, in terms of being able to, to get through some of that and dealing with that kind of overwhelm or, or even a burnout situation? Yeah. Uh, well, two answers there. First is compartmentalization, which I talked about. Okay. But, you know, control what you can control, you know, focus on your three foot world and try to, to, to block out everything else and take it step by step. The other answer is to try to initiate micro recovery. Okay. Um, you know, we, I could get into sympathetic versus parasympathetic systems. Okay. When we are in recovery, when we're in like this action mode, it's our sympathetic system. Okay. We're creating cortisol. We're kind of in the moment. Okay. Um, but our bodies also shift to parasympathetic, which is kind of the rest and digest. We can actually take better control of that physiological physiology and that phys physiological uh, shift because when we're in parasympathetic, we're creating DHEA, which is a rebuilding chemical versus the cortisol, which kind of destroys things. All right, uh, good for its own reasons, but it's it's somewhat rough on the system. Um, emotions tend to drive this, okay? Emotions can tell uh, oftentimes what we're in. If we're angry and frustrated and anxious, we're, we're in high sympathetic, we're creating cortisol, all right? Um, if we're overwhelmed, for example. Um, if we're joyful, peaceful, and calm, we're actually creating DHEA, we're in recovery mode, all right? So the key is to find micro recovery moments where you can experience some joy, peace, and calm, all right? The good news is this is subjective and you can choose this for yourself, all right? What are those activities that bring you joy, peace, and calm. It could be reading, it could be praying, it could be meditating, it could be, you know, exercise, it could be hanging with friends. Uh, during this next two weeks, it might be small things. It could be, a, a, it could be music that, that gets you in that thing, into that uh, state. But if you can get into an emotional state where you're feeling joyful and, and calm and peaceful, you are in recovery mode, okay? In other words, you're charging your physiological battery, and you're preparing for the next wave. So it's kind of like in between sets, okay? You're, you're basically find ways to plug in. What are those things? Sleep is one of the, it, well, that is the, that is nature's best recovery timeframe, okay? Sleep, getting good quality sleep, okay? So look to do that as much as you can. But then even during the days, take some moments in between to stop, uh, visualize, you know, that's a great one. If you can visualize some experience that really bring you uh, joy, uh, music is a great state changer. You can use that. Um, there are breathing techniques you can do kind of to, to get into uh, more of a parasympathetic uh, response. So, to, so look at some of those techniques and try to find those micro recovery moments uh, as, as, most, as best you can. I like the idea of micro recovery. I mean, that's an interesting way of it, right? It's micro, you don't necessarily need to fully come to a stop or for a long period of time to necessarily be able to continue through, but being able to put some of those micro recoveries in there. Well, uh, one more there for you it came up a few times. Uh, you mentioned it for yourself, which was self-discipline, which came up. So one of the things that, again, I mentioned, a lot of people are going to go through that over the next little bit, which is self-discipline. And um, that's going to get teased out for them <laughs> a little bit now that they get exposed, right? To, to an, uh, where you don't, where you have that ability. What are some of the things that you've done to you know, work on that, that attribute for yourself and, and be able to become a bit more self-disciplined as you've gone, gone over time? Yeah. I mean, self-discipline, ultimately, like I said, it requires some structure. Um, so the one of the ways I hack myself is I, I try to, I try to um, uh, create some structure around some, some routines that allow me some better self-discipline. So if it's exercising or, or eating right, you know, if it's, you know, if it's eating right and not drinking as much beer as I, <laughs> as I want to, then I, I get that stuff out of the house. Right. Um, and so that, that helps with the structure. Um, I try to structure my day in a way that I can discipline myself a little bit better. So maybe it's get up early, consistently. And I say, okay, I'm going to work out this time. All right. Um, it's creating smaller reward systems. All right. So, uh, so I could say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, do this for today or for this next couple of days. And then I might, I might give myself a reward after that. This is where, this is where cheat days for someone who, who has trouble sticking, sticking with a, a, a healthy eating plan might work well for somebody because, because you could say, Hey, listen, I'll just go through my, my six days. And then on, on the seventh day, I'll do a cheat day. Okay. So it's really finding, finding ways to implement some structure for yourself that means something for you um, that helps hack into some better self-discipline. And that's kind of the way I've, I've tried to approach it. Uh, but for me, it's been, a, it's always a work in progress, just so you know, and I'm, you know, and I've already been a Navy SEAL and it's still a work in progress. <laughs> so. Oh, well, again, Rich, thanks for joining. I'll get, um, so there's a couple of questions about, for people about how to, uh, learn about their attributes. Uh, we can get that out, but if you want to share just where people can find that 
for with you and um, and the book itself and just overall just where they can go to, to take the test just to see where they they stand and what that test is all about. Absolutely. Yes. Go, you can go to theattributes.com and uh, there you can find the book, but you can find the free assessment tool. Uh, now, I, I definitely recommend if you can, if you can read the book first and then take the assessment, but that's not necessary. You don't have to do that. Um, when you take the assessment, try to be introspective when you take it. Okay. So really ask yourself um, these questions and think about the answers. And then when you get your scores back, just recognize those scores are based on data that we, we collected uh, kind of globally over a thousand people, right? So, so your score on say adaptability is going to be as compared to a thousand other people, right? So it, you may get that, you're like, ah, that doesn't make sense to me. So take that score if it doesn't make sense to you and then index it against some of your own personal experience during challenge and stress and uncertainty and say, okay, does that actually make sense to me? Does it mean something? It may or may not, but it's really a snapshot for yourself to get your know your own engine. So you can get that on the site. There's some workbooks there that you can, if you want to develop attributes, we put, uh, put together some ways to do that. And then yeah, you can find it, you know, Instagram and LinkedIn, those are all there on the website, but, uh, but yeah, anything you have, um, you know, Aaron and I know, you know, Aaron and I have communications. So if you have any questions that are burning that you'd get to ask, get them to Aaron and Aaron and I will, we'll, we'll talk and I'll see if I can get some answers to you. Well, again, Richard, really appreciate it. And thanks for sharing. And, you know, some of the things that are you know, top of mind sticking with me is, um, you know, to be able to, to develop some of these attributes, you need to seek out an environment that's going to test them and push them. And that's probably not going to feel very good. And there's a lot of people like you were saying, showing up, wanting to see if you can be a badass and, and be a Navy SEAL. I think for a lot of people, they want to show up and see if they can, they can be an entrepreneur. And that's a that's a another way of, of being able to test that. But the only way someone's going to be able to develop those attributes and pull on them is to put themselves in those situations. And that's not going to feel all that fantastic. But that's what they're going to need to strengthen to get to their next career. It's not about learning how to clean a window. It's not about learning how to knock on a door. It's about being able to put yourself in some of those challenging situations that are teasing out the attributes that are required beyond this summer, beyond the next two weeks, beyond these other things to either be successful in college pro, but also be successful in an entrepreneurial in my environment. So thanks for taking the time. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And good to, good to chat and uh, appreciate all the thoughts from today. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you. All right. Um, we, the, the world needs you because that's uh, entrepreneurship is why we've become space explorers from cave dwellers. Okay. Um, that's what you, that's what it is. It's new ideas. It's innovation. That's, that's evolution. And you are all at the precipice of helping all of us evolve. So, uh, so thanks, thanks to all of you. And, and, and it's, a, by the way, evolution's a, 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 evolution and growth is usually a painful process. Just, just know that it's painful and uncomfortable, right? When you go to the gym and you rip your muscles, it doesn't necessarily feel that good, but you're doing it to grow your muscles. All right. That's that. So it goes with anything we do. All right. So, so embrace the discomfort, uh, feel the dopamine reward from it and, uh, go on and do great things and good luck. Thanks Rich. Really appreciate right. it. Thanks, Talk guys. soon. Yep. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if it brought you any value at all, please like it, rate it, share it, review it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to get more information, you can always check out entrepreneurstarthere.com. Make sure to have yourself a great day.